Imagine your new bathroom, a sparkling new tub, a modern shower conversion, a seamless new wall, all done in as little as a day. Introducing Bathfitter. Join over 2 million customers delighted with our one-of-a-kind remodeling process. No demolition, no mess. Guaranteed for life. Installed in as little as a day. Book a free in-home consultation at bathfitterpodcasts.com and get our best offer of the year right now. Bathfitter, 35 years of better bath remodels. Right now, Amazon is offering some amazing extra perks that come with a job offer. If you start a warehouse job, you can get a $1,000 sign-on bonus. That means you start earning a paycheck right away, plus you get extra cash to use before the holidays. Applying is so easy, you don't even need an interview. It's never been so rewarding to start an hourly job that's close to home. So what are you waiting for? To join the team today, visit Amazon.com slash sign-on bonus. Amazon is an equal opportunity employer. Good morning, afternoon, or evening, depending on what time it is when you are listening to this. As I am recording, it is currently 0938 on the 19th of October, 2022. It has been a long time, over a week, since I have posted anything as far as the podcast is concerned. Part of that is because I went on vacation for a week to a wonderful seaside location, not to be disclosed, uh, and had, oddly enough, a great time on the uh, family vacation, which is unusual for me. Typically, I tend to make family vacations work. Uh, in that I tend to look at family vacations like work. This is purely, uh, by doing so, I make them uh, unvacation-like to the point where I actually look forward to coming back to work again. And this is, uh, I, I have realized purely my fault because I was looking at them from the wrong point of view. I, I'm going through uh, having a series of epiphanies, actually, one of which occurred while I was on vacation, a life-changing epiphanies, and uh, I'm rather uh, enjoying the change. Um, and I'll talk about that more. Uh, but... Um, Anyway, when I came back, I uh, found that I was suffering from the same problem that I suffered from when it came to starting this podcast, and that was paralysis by analysis, which is counter to um, one of the uh, epiphanies that I came to, and um, also counter to advice that I frequently give other people. Uh, they quote from uh, George S. Patton, who is my favorite American general, uh, much to the chagrin of a lot of my Marine Corps buddies. Um, but George Patton who I believe got this concept from one of the Stoics. Uh, I don't know if it was Seneca or um, Aurelius. Aurelius got a lot of his stuff from Seneca as well. I'm not sure who it was from, but basically 
Patton said, a good plan executed immediately is better than a perfect plan executed two weeks from now. And so I was sitting thinking what I was going to do, what I was going to say, what uh, topics I was going to get to, and so on and so forth. And there there was just a lot of stuff going on in my head because uh, I'm not entirely comfortable with the current format of the podcast. I'm going to be honest with you. I, I do very much enjoy... Uh, commentary on pop culture. I very much enjoy commentary on pop culture and politics and all of that. But the fact of the matter is, and I'm not going to stop that. Don't don't get me wrong. I'm not making any major changes, but I'm I'm just not entirely comfortable with the format as it as it has existed. And of course, you know, this is a new podcast and there's a learning curve and a learning process that I have to go through and some fine tuning that needs to be done. But I also have to be true to myself and I have to be true to my conscience, more to the point, my conscience being the Holy Spirit. Uh, I've got to be true to that. And the truth that I am seeing, I have previously not very openly talked about for fear of, you know, uh, possibly damaging uh, or turning off anybody who might listen to the podcast, Um, being overly spiritual, uh, them considering it overly religious. But I got to be true to myself. You know, and if you don't like that, then there are tons of other podcasts to listen to. In addition, um, my personality can be very abrupt, very brash, and occasionally, because of my military background, uh, my language can get rather salty. And again, if that bothers you, uh, you you know, there are tons of other podcasts that you can listen to that don't have that. And I realize that this is perhaps narrowing my listenership, my potential listenership. Um, but it's going to be what it's going to be. I got to be true to myself. So, with that being said, I want to talk about something that I have noticed um, coming to the fore more and more obviously uh, the last few months, certainly the last few years, but, but even more so the last few months, is something that I have mentioned before in some podcasts, but I really haven't gone that much into it. And uh, so I'm going to reiterate it here. It is becoming more and more obvious that the cultural problems that we have in this world and in this country, the political problems that we have 
in this world and in this country are not right versus left, Republican versus Democrat, so much as they are good versus evil, God versus Satan. And if my mention of God and Satan upsets you, then you are free to, um, for lack of a better term, turn the dial. But if it upsets you, I encourage you to continue listening because this is stuff that people need to hear. There is a battle between God and Satan that has been going on for a lot longer than those of you listening and me speaking have been around. A lot of people have asked me and frequently ask me, as I am a former pastor of a church, believe it or not, a lot of people ask me, are we in the end times? And frequently I tell them yes and no. Um, technically, yes. The end times began when the era of the church began. The church dispensation began when Christ um not when when the holy spirit on pentecost came down and indwelled human beings christians permanently previous to that occurrence that did not happen the holy spirit made occasional appearances but did not indwell human beings permanently until after christ rose uh, or ascended Christ's ascension into heaven and the day of Pentecost occurred. So this battle has been going on between God and Satan for a long time. And Christ talked about the end times when he was asked, you know, when will these things come to pass? Uh, I believe that was Matthew 25. And he explained what the end times were going to look like. Now, by technically this being the end times, like I said, the end times began around Pentecost, or began at Pentecost, because the next thing that was going to happen, the next big things that were going to happen were the end times. And Christ, when he was talking about the end times, referred to the stuff that was going to happen as birth pangs. And birth pangs, as anyone who has witnessed um, labor or gone through labor uh, knows, birth pangs become more intense and closer together the closer we get to the birth. 
And that was what Christ was referring to with regards to the end times. Things are going to be getting increasingly worse, and the bad times are going to be getting closer together. Now, that has been going on. And I, I think I have personally been timing the contractions incorrectly. I may not have been. But I'm going to tell you what I'm seeing. I'm going to tell you how I think things are currently breaking down. And this is based on just what I have read in the Bible, what I have studied in the Bible, superimposed over what I am seeing currently. Or better put, I will interpret what I am seeing currently through the lens of the Bible that I have studied for many years. And I am going to first admit that I I think I had it wrong. I've had it wrong for a while. I honestly thought that we were a lot closer to the rapture than uh, than we actually are. I thought that the rapture was pretty much just around the corner, honestly, within the next decade or so. Now I'm not so sure. Now I could be off by a factor of 10, or maybe even more. Uh, by the way, um, for those of you listening who are Christians and who actually know a thing or two about Christianity, I will tell you that I am a pre-tribulationist when it comes to the rapture, and I'm not going to go into that now. I can later. I certainly will if any of you hit me up in the comments section or email me. Uh, you can reach me at docbryantshow at zohomail.com. That's Z-O-H-O mail.com. docbryantshow at zohomail.com. You can email me your comments, questions, and hate mail there. I will be absolutely happy to take it. But uh, for those of you not so familiar, a pre-tribulationist means that I believe that the rapture will occur prior to the tribulation. And the reason right now, I'm all I will tell you is that the reason that I am a pre-tribulationist is because the research that I have done into the scriptures has shown me more than enough evidence that that is the case. To me, no other explanations, either mid-tribulationist or post-tribulationist, make any sense at all. And then, of course, there are some people who don't believe that the tribulation, or I'm sorry, that the uh, rapture will occur at all which uh, is, I, I reject that completely out of hand. There is, I have seen zero biblical uh, or scriptural backing for that viewpoint. At any rate, being a pre-tribulationist, 
I believe that the rapture will occur prior to the tribulation. The rapture has not yet occurred because, well, we Christians are still here. Um, and one of the reasons that I believed and believe that it's a pre-tribulation is because of what Jesus said. I also I think this was in Matthew 25 as well when he was talking about the uh, the end times. I could be wrong. I haven't uh, looked that up prior to this podcast. Like I said, I am just doing it, uh, as Nike would put it. But Jesus, when he was talking about the end times, referred to how it will be like Noah and the flood like Lot and Sodom and Gomorrah. Now, he didn't say it will be like the flood and like Sodom and Gomorrah. He specifically mentioned Noah and Lot. In both of those cases, the flood and Sodom and Gomorrah, both Noah and Lot were the only righteous people in those times. And both of them were removed from those situations prior to the judgment. That right there is enough for me to, to, to believe in a, a pre-tribulation rapture. But one thing that I neglected to, to see, not that I neglected to see it, but I didn't see it until recently, was that in both cases, in the case of Noah and the case of Lot, they were the only ones left. Noah and his family were the only ones found to be righteous by God during the time of the flood. He even gave humanity an extra 120 years before he enacted the flood just to give them a chance to turn around, and they did not. But Noah and his family were the only ones found to be righteous and therefore were removed prior to the judgment. Fast forward to Sodom and Gomorrah, and Lot and his family were the only ones found to be righteous in the area of Sodom and Gomorrah and were the only ones removed prior to the judgment. And that's when it hit me. The rapture, if it will be like Noah and the flood and Lot and Sodom and Gomorrah, will occur when there are only a very few righteous people left on this planet to be removed prior to the judgment of the tribulation. And while the church in the West certainly has a lot of problems, problems that I will be getting into in this podcast as well and addressing because that is also something that has been weighing heavily on my heart. Um, there are still 
just a whole bunch of righteous Christians all over the world. And even in, in the United States and in the West, there are true Christians still. Now, this brings up a, a whole can of worms that just opened up. First of all, Christians are not righteous in and of, it, in and of themselves. We are not innately righteous. We are sinners just like everybody else. The reason that we are reckoned to be righteous is because we have believed on Jesus Christ that he has paid the price for our sins. And so we are righteous. We are reckoned righteous because of him. We have accepted his gift, his sacrifice for us, and he has purchased us with his blood. We have been redeemed. That is what makes us righteous, not because we're better than anybody else. We most certainly are not, and my language occasionally will betray that. And, of course, you know, just me being human uh, and, and all of us Christians being human will betray that. And if you consider yourself a Christian and you believe yourself to be without sin and therefore better than other people, then you're probably not really a Christian. And we can get into that later, too, because I'll take hate mail on that all day long. I am much more critical of people who call themselves Christians than I am of non-Christians. And that is the truth. I will go after some folks who consider themselves to be Christians but are not and are giving those of us who are Christians a bad name. I will tear you up if you're one of those. Anyway, I digress. I frequently do ask my wife. So, that being the case, what I see happening currently is a relief, the, the end of a major contraction. This is a major contraction, don't get me wrong, and this might be one of the last. Things are pretty severely messed up, and that's the reason why uh, my commentary on, on politics and culture, well, I should say my, my commentary on politics and culture reflect that. It, we're in some serious times right now. They have not been this bad, honestly, since pre-World War II. Since 1937. And I believe, actually, that this is worse than 1937. Um, it is much more global. And it encompasses nations, the evil encompasses nations that it did not before, like the United States. And the reason that it encompasses those nations in the West, like the United States, is because those nations, like the United States, have turned, have largely turned their back on God. It is saying something when you have countries like China and Africa and South America sending Christian missionaries to the United States. 
that's saying something. That is telling you where the Christian kingdom actually lies. And the fact of the matter is, Christianity is exploding all over the world, except the United States. And that is only recently changing. So we have an expanding Christian nation all over the world. In the Middle East, in Muslim countries, more people are coming to Christianity than ever have before. The same thing is going on in Africa. The same thing is going on in South America. The same thing is going on in Asia, all over the world. Even Russia, places like that, all of these places are experiencing a massive revival. And I have been hoping and praying for one more huge revival before the tribulation, before the rapture. I've been hoping and praying for that, and it looks like it's happening, and it is even apparently starting to finally reach the United States because the spiritual vacuum that has been caused by humanist secularism in the United States is finally collapsing, and these generations that have been raised without a God in the United States are finally realizing the moral bankruptcy that is left, the nihilism that is caused by atheism. And so they are starting to go to church. The only thing is, the church in the West is bankrupt, largely. But that's a discussion for another time. And definitely something that I'm going to be talking about. Just probably not in this particular podcast. So, we have this new revival. That tells me that we are way far off from the rapture. Politically speaking, and everything that happens, by the way, in the spiritual realm is reflected in the material realm, by the way. The war, the actual war between God and Satan is being fought in the spiritual realm, a realm that we cannot see. We humans cannot see. Doesn't mean it doesn't exist because we can't see it. Just means we can't see it. But it does exist. And what happens in the spiritual realm is reflected in the material realm here. So, we are seeing this played out in our politics and in our culture. The evil, and I mean evil, in our culture, which is represented by the political left. And before you start 
whining and complaining. Well, how can you say that it's the you know the left and stuff because the racist right and the bigoted right and is because I can actually show receipts for the left. You can call names if you're a leftist. You can call names when you're talking about the right. You can call racist and bigot and homophobe and whatever and whatnot, but you can't produce any receipts to actually prove your accusations. Hell, you won't even define the terms that you're using. I will define the terms that I am using. I will tell you exactly what evil is and how the left is evil. The Democrat Party, which largely represents the left, but not entirely, are and have been supportive of the mass murder of children. We, this, is, this isn't even something that's up for debate anymore. The abortion thing. It's not even anything that's up for debate anymore. They are for releasing murderers, rapists, and kidnappers onto our streets. These are facts, folks. They support systemic theft. These are facts. The left, the political left, are the party of evil. They support medical experimentation on unwilling people. This is a fact. It is more and more, the facts are more and more coming out. It is becoming more and more apparent, I should say, that they are guilty of engineering and using biological weapons against the public at large. Again, I believe that more and more this is going to be played out as a fact. So, the political left is the party of evil, of wickedness. Oh, and then we can talk about the targeting of children for sexual deviancy. And the mutilation of children in the terms of uh, sexual reassignment surgeries and chemical castration of children without parental consent in some cases, all in the name of money and profit. This country has largely lost its way. This is a major contraction, but it is coming to an end. The move towards a one-world government, which was to be spearheaded 
with the COVID pandemic is coming to an end globally, all over the world. The globalist movement is falling apart. Now, those of you who support the globalist movement, don't be upset by this. I promise you, I give you my word, 100% guarantee, you will get your one world government. It will happen. I promise you. It will happen. You will get exactly what you want, a world without God. More or less. It will only last seven years, but you will get it. This I guarantee. Just not yet. So... Given the political situation in the world and given the fact that it is a function of the spiritual war that is going on, the the situation looks as though not only are the Democrats going to be defeated, soundly in 2022 and 2024. But they have lost so much support and there is so much of a cultural surge towards the right that the Democrats may actually be a political non-entity for a generation, maybe another 80 years is what I'm thinking. It could be less, could be half that. But right now, the way it's going, and given the spiritual revival, the Christian revival that is going on all over the world and is finally reaching the shores of the United States... Uh, the Democrats are going to have to do some very, very serious rebranding in order to get any kind of majority ever again in this country. I won't say ever again, but certainly for a very long time. That's just the way it looks like it's working out. That being the case... um. That is why I think we are at the end of a major contraction. And again, this might be the second to last one, but you never can tell when it comes to labor. My wife can certainly tell you that, having been through labor twice and being a labor and delivery nurse. She would be able to tell you that. She's a labor and delivery nurse because somebody has to do it. I make fun of her because I'm a surgical nurse and Well, surgical nurses are the coolest nurses ever, ever, ever. We are kind of like the the fighter pilots of nurses. Uh, That's how cool we are. It's true. Anyway, 
Um, and, and, and any of you other nurses out there, especially you L and D nurses who heard that and take offense, you can reach me at doc Bryant show at zohomail.com. Send me your hate mail. Uh, so now end times, what's it going to look like when we get there? The first prophecy that I look at, the first biblical prophecy that I look at that has not yet come to pass is the Ezekiel 38 prophecy and to basically how the Ezekiel 38 prophecy works out is that a global uh, military force, multiple armies, multiple militaries, led by Russia, Iran, and Turkey will all attack the nation of Israel. What's really interesting about this is the nations that this group is comprised of are clearly pointed out in the Ezekiel 38 prophecy from the you know from the viewpoint of what those nations were during that time and we can from the names used extrapolate the nations that exist today and i found it really really cool from a christian standpoint and if you are not a christian you should find this very chilling that a an economic organization that is comprised right now the major players are Russia, China and India uh called the what is it the Shanghai uh I can't remember what it's called for the life of me. It's it's the Shanghai something, um, uh, but it's 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 their national commercial or economic uh, group, and the nations that are members of this group, this collective, very much look like the nations that are mentioned in the Ezekiel 38 prophecy. I, I will look the I will look this up. I will look up the name of this group and get back to you on on what it's called because the nations that comprise this economic group, this economic collective are a lot of the nations that are mentioned in the Ezekiel 38 prophecy. Anyway, so you have this group, this group of nations in the Ezekiel 38 prophecy, that rise up to destroy Israel. And it is mentioned in the Ezekiel 38 prophecy that Israel is alone. It has no allies, nobody to help, which means that the United States, as it exists today, does not exist at that time 
or is in some way, shape, or form unable or unwilling to help. What that tells me is that the Christians are not around. Now, since the United States does not exist at that time, at least in the form that it currently exists in, there are two things that I have long considered to be the cause of this. One, the rapture to civil war. Or a third option, which is both. And previously, well, when I thought of this, and we're talking decades ago when I came up with this theory of how the United States could not exist, uh, the, the very idea that a civil war could break out in the United States, another civil war, was just completely preposterous. You know, back in the 90s, that just, it, it, it might have started to be an idea in people's heads. It was an idea in my head, but I was one of the only people thinking this. But look at the United States now. We're already in a civil war, in, in my estimation. The other side is already shooting at us. We're just not shooting back. And that's something that we can debate and discuss as well. But I'll stand by that. Either way, the concept is now uh, proved that it is possible. Because, you know, hell, people are now frequently talking about a second civil war in the United States. It's a common topic on social media and in coffee houses all over the world. So... We have Israel being beset by basically the entire world with nobody to help. And then God destroys the armies and the capitals of the nations that rise up against Israel in such a way that it is that there is no question that it is God who did it. And I don't know if that is going to take the form of fire and brimstone raining down from heaven, lightning and all that kind of stuff. That's just what the Bible says. It says that there will be no question that God himself destroyed all of these nations. Now, this brings me to the beginning of the tribulation. Because the beginning of the tribulation is when a man, a single individual man, sorry feminists, it will be a man, will rise up as a peace bringer. This is the first horseman mentioned in the book of Revelation, riding a white horse, carrying a bow but no arrows. And he will bring peace. And my estimation of how this works is right after all of these nations are destroyed, this guy is going to rise up and say, whoa, 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 hey, 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 hey. Why are we having all this war? Why can't we have peace with Israel? 
And this guy will set up a peace deal with Israel. And the peace deal will be for seven years. And for three and a half of those years, that peace deal will be honored. Now, when that individual rises up and he negotiates this peace deal with Israel, that will, I guess, technically be the beginning of the tribulation. And that's how the end times are going to play out. You're going to have the rapture. You're going to have the Ezekiel 38 prophecy play out. And then you're going to have the rise of the Antichrist, who is going to negotiate the peace deal with Israel. And then the rest of the tribulation kicks off. There is no indication in the Bible as to the amount of time between the rapture and the beginning of the tribulation. My guess is it ain't going to be long. I think it's going to be relatively rapid. The world, when left to human devices, humans who are easily misled by Satan, tends to devolve very rapidly. When Satan has free reign, things devolve very rapidly. And as is pointed out in the book of Revelation, when Satan has even mostly free reign, not even completely free reign, the world only lasts, this one world government only lasts for seven years. And when he gets like complete, complete free reign, three and a half years into the deal, it really gets bad, and the world only lasts for three and a half years. A, a war, a world war, starts up that is so bad. The Bible says if Christ had not come down to stop it, the entire world would have been wiped out. Now, I have been asked several times by former parishioners to redo my series on Revelation, the book of Revelation. Uh, I did it uh, many years ago um, for the church, and right after I did it, uh, I wasn't sure what I was going to preach on next, because once you do a series on Revelation, it's it's really tough to follow that act. And, and I told them, as we were wrapping it up, I said, I, I don't know how I'm going to follow this up, you know, what I'm going to, what I'm going to teach on next. And, and several of them raised their hands and said, could you do this one again? And so I actually did. I went through my series on Revelation twice in a row, and... Um, since the church has, has closed, uh, due to COVID, by the way, uh, the, the whole COVID thing, um, 
I have been asked by former parishioners to do my series on Revelation again. And I think that I might just do that. I think that is one of the things that is laying heavy on my heart. But that's enough for now. Again, wrapping up what the end times is going to look like. First of all, is this currently the end times? I don't think so. Not in the way that you are talking about or that most people are talking about. Most people talking about the whole revelation thing. The way I see things playing out are, one, rapture. When you see, or when you don't see, a bunch of Christians, when the Christians disappear from the earth, that's the time to start worrying. Then Ezekiel 38, the whole world basically rises up and attacks Israel militarily. Then those nations that did so are largely damaged. Then a single man rises up and negotiates a peace deal with Israel. Those things are the beginnings of the end times. That's the way I see it. That's the way I see it working out, at least currently, given given the way things are currently going. And again, given the way things are currently going, I don't know that that's going to happen any time soon. That's all I have right now. I will uh, be recording some more um, again because, doggone it, you know, the best way to do something is to just do it. So I am no longer going to be suffering from analysis paralysis. I'm just going to do what I do, and if people want to listen, well, you're more than welcome. And if people don't, you're more than welcome there, too. Anyways, thank you for listening. Uh, You can reach me. Uh, I've already said my uh, email address uh, a couple of times. Uh, You can also get me on social media. I am on Minds, that's M-I-N-D-S, Minds.com, Gab, Getter, uh, and Truth Social, at Doc Bryant. I'm on Twitter, and that's at Doc Bryant Actual. I have a locals community, which is also at Doc Bryant, and I also have a gilded community. So you can find me at all of those places. Uh, I frequently check them and post on them and stuff like that. So uh, check me out, reach out, say hi, and I will talk to you all later. Imagine your new bathroom. A sparkling new tub, a modern shower conversion, a seamless new wall, all done in as little as a day. Introducing Bathfitter. Join over 2 million customers delighted with our one-of-a-kind remodeling process. No demolition, no mess. Guaranteed for life. Installed in as little as a day. Book a free in-home consultation at bathfitterpodcasts.com and get our best offer of the year right now. Bathfitter, 35 years of better bath remodels. Bathfitter.